You've attended council hearings in person. You've tuned in to our televised proceedings on Channel 13. Now, you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council with your host, Josh Gibson. Thank you, deep voice person with a funky backbeat. Indeed, this is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We are not coming to you from the train track enclosed nerve center like we normally do. We're coming to you from my home and the council member's home or office. I'm at home today, Josh. So we're coming to you from our two homes. I'm Josh Gibson, as you know, director for the council. You might also know me as the council's voice on social media at Council of DC. And uh, as you know, folks, this is a special uh, unanticipated round of hearing the council interviews. We're normally, like I said, in the radio station surrounded by uh, genius people who know what they're doing. Instead, we're stuck with me and my old home computer. But uh, thankfully we're here and we are underway. And uh, our guest today is at-large council member, Alyssa Silverman. So thank you so much, council member, for being here and for your patience. Well, it's good to see you, Josh. And certainly the Zoom environment or Facebook Live, whatever medium we're actually on, gives you the opportunity to see people's aesthetic tastes at home. So it is not a surprise to see, it looks like some maps behind you. I'm sure there's a lot of good DC historical documents uh, and other artifacts in your home. Guilty as charged. Uh, yes, we have a pre-retrocession DC yeah, map. And what do we got bathroom. behind you? Let's talk for a minute about you, Josh. You're a very popular guy on social I, media. So what's I, behind you there? I had to eventually be popular somewhere. Talk to my high school well, you, friends. They can say this is, this is new. So, yeah, what's behind your head there? Uh, extraordinarily briefly, uh, we have a pre-retrocession uh, map of DC. So back when we were the full square uh, map. That's I the think white so. white map we're seeing. Yes. Um, I don't dare move my computer. I would walk it over and show you, okay. but it's temperamental. Uh, we have a Chuck Brown DC flag here. Okay. Uh, we have a, here we go, uh, Cool Disco Dan, an original okay. Cool Disco okay. artwork he did. Graffiti, a very well-known graffiti artist. Correct. We have a, a mural design for a mural I commissioned at a previous job. That's, uh, I think that's about it for the DC specific. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it, Sometimes it was difficult to convince council members to come out to the DC radio station because they had to spend mm. a half hour driving each direction. So what we lose in uh, technical competence, uh, we gain in convenience. You know, Access, so this yeah. is a, you know, our technical difficulties aside, you know, the 30 to 45 minute interview only takes 30 to 45 minutes. So that's Plus that. the lighting in your house makes it seem like there's a disco ball effect. Yeah, it's. Um, I was just noticing that. I the light. We get a lot of late day light in here, so it's. I'm either lit up like the god of the sun, or it's pitch black. And I tried to split the difference, but we have a solar powered uh, chandelier crystal, so that's what's creating the dream ah. background. Um. 
So, and you and you were at home, and I see a uh, Washington Monument in the background. Is that is that correct? Yeah, with, I think it's a it's a Wilco poster from when they were at the nine thirty club. Oh, yeah, very cool. June ninth, uh, two thousand four. So, yes, yeah, sixteen years ago, it was there. They do a poster, I think, for for every concert they do. And then I think uh, that's out of my head. Uh, that, and I hung this up recently. I I really, uh, I've been struggling, Josh, like everyone in this pandemic. Um, but the lighting, I've really learned a lot. Of, my, my house is really poorly lit is what I've realized. And I also have a lot of, um, I've been reading about Kelvin's and cool light versus non-cool light perhaps, but I have a lot of yellowy light, uh, which is not good on the Zoom camera. Um, so I'm, I'm actually, that's one of my tasks for the weekend. I'm gonna try to improve the lighting in my house. But yeah, behind my head is my college diploma. Very good. Uh, now, generally, when you and I do interviews, they're super fun interviews because you pick interesting offbeat topics that I'm grateful for. Um, Thank and you. This, this interview has started uh, in that same. I'm always frame. out of character. I always like to push the envelope, Josh. Be out, of, you know, push. Yeah, a little out of character. So, yes, we've I, chosen lighthearted topics before, and today I've chosen a serious topic. Yeah, I think um, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to reach out to the workers of DC who have been struggling uh, since March, at least. Uh, you know, a number of them have been struggling since before March, and uh, this is going to be uh, a very technical uh, conversation at parts. Um, but folks have to remember that it sounds uh, can sound bureaucratic and uh, mind numbing. But at the same time, it is literally life and death. It is literally survival and whether people can keep their homes and feed their children. So uh, we will try to make it as uh, low key as we can, um, but uh, bear with us because this is really meant to be a constructive uh, seminar to folks in need. So I hope our Facebook audience didn't just completely drop off the cliff because of that description, Josh, but part of the Part of the issue is that we haven't made programs for people to survive these incredibly hard times easy to understand. So I guess to say to you, who, whomever is watching, we are not going to talk in jargon. We are not going to talk. If, it's, if there's an acronym, we're going to explain what it is. Um, but uh, the the idea today is 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 to make sure that if you are struggling, if you're a worker who's lost their job, if you don't know how to pay your rent, if you are really trying to figure out what the hell do I do, we're going to try to help you get access to every program that you need. Now, the first thing I want to talk about, and something that I don't think uh, got as much attention as it deserved, was you embedded yourself as the committee chairman uh, who has oversight for the Department of Employment Services on employment insurance, you literally embedded yourself um, in their unemployment call center. You went through the same training that everyone else does and you did some literal works and shifts. So talk to me about how that, uh, how that came together and how it went for you. 
Yes. Uh, so uh, when it was clear that the call volume was unprecedented, uh, the Department of Employment Services put out a call to other DC government volunteers uh, to, uh, and at that time, you know, there were some agencies that were shut down as well. So there were a lot of people who volunteered and I was one of them. So I was in the auxiliary call center that was set up at one judiciary square. And surrounding me were other volunteers from the Department of uh, Environment, uh, from DMV, uh, I think from the healthcare, um, our, our uh, health exchange. Um, so a lot of people who just wanted to help their fellow residents. Um, I felt it was important to really get on the ground and understand what was going on with our unemployment insurance system uh, and to talk to some of our workers who needed to access benefits. Um, so I, I will admit to you, Josh, I was not um, your regular volunteer. Um, this was back in April and May. Um, so obviously we, we were in budget season, um, but I would go every day and try to, uh, I did do the training and I would try to, uh, when I had breaks, uh, work unemployment cases. I didn't take a lot of uh, calls from the phone, uh, but we have a lot of constituents, and in fact, we still do, who write to me uh, by email or call our office um, because they are frustrated with the unemployment compensation system and, and just need money. Uh, and so a lot of the cases I work were uh, people who came to me uh, through either phone or email. And how, when you uh, let them know, when they put out the call for volunteers, they were not expecting you, I, I'm guessing. Um, how, how did that go over when you, I don't know if that's ever happened before, that a council member has temporarily become a volunteer staff member for an agency they oversee. Um, I think that is brilliant and compelling from a council perspective, but from an agency perspective, I'm just wondering how that was received. Well, I can't speak for the agency, but I'll tell you what it, how, how it helped me, Josh. So a lot of times we're doing oversight and we, you know, I'll get an email from somebody inside an agency saying, hey, this is how it really works. Well, this was my opportunity to really see how it worked. And, and here is my takeaway, Josh, is, you know, certainly we are in um, a time that is so difficult. And I think uh, in our city, you know, we always talk about how we have two different cities. Uh, and I think the unemployment, uh, coronavirus and the unemployment situation has exposed that even more. You know, we have some people who are working from home and everyone's impacted by COVID. There is not one person alive right now who isn't impacted by COVID and it's a struggle for everyone, but the struggle is a lot harder when you don't have income, a job and can't pay your bills. Um, so it really uh, drove home um, first of all, the scope. Um, second of all, that we have a lot of people who are working for our unemployment uh, insurance office and for the Department of Employment Services who are there to help their fellow residents. They want to do the right thing. But the thing is, we have outdated systems, as everyone knows, and we're like tying one hand behind their back, basically. So they've come up with all kinds of workarounds to try to get 
their job done, to do the right thing, to help people, but they're handicapped by a system that was created basically when you and I were born, um, not to age either of us, but um, it's not recently. Uh, and uh, it gave me an, an appreciation for the task uh, that for the task and the mission of the agency, um, which is, you know, you have workers who are really anxious under incredible economic strain and don't know what to do and you got to help them. Um, so it brought home to me how we need to have modernized call centers and protocols um, that really deliver customer service well. Um, so it was, it was really helpful to be there. Uh, and I will tell you that my oversight of the system is largely informed by what I saw those few months working inside, um, the, the call center. Were there a couple anecdotes that came out of that time that particularly stick in your head? I mean, the workers talking about how, how tough it was, um, or what they were struggling with technology wise or from the people that you were helping. Sure. Um, well, what it brought home to me is I think every council member has experienced COVID probably differently as well. As chair of the Labor Committee, every day I have, I'd say, you know, a dozen to a few dozen workers in my email telling me heartbreaking stories about how they cannot pay the rent. They don't know what to do. They're at wits and they've called DOES 10, 20 times. They've been on the phone for hours. And that's how I've experienced the COVID crisis. Um, you know, I don't know if every council member has gotten that volume of emails and really that window into the struggle of our workers who are in the hotel and hospitality industry with as much intensity. Um, I mean, the stories are simply heartbreaking, Josh. Um, it, uh, I'm, there, there are just so many, but it basically comes down to the same thing, which is we have hardworking people who lost a job through no fault of their own. Um, they are trying to get help to pay their bills, uh, to make sure there's food on the table, uh, and, you know, it, at that same time, they're dealing with an economic crisis. They might have children who are home uh, doing distance learning. And certainly, I think you have a window into how frustrating that is. Um, and they're dealing and, and, and then there's just the overall strain of COVID on all of us. Um, and to reference back to what you were saying earlier, then in order to navigate this system, you have all of these acronyms and government processes and procedures, and you don't know what to do. Maybe you have wages in the District of Columbia, but you also want every Saturday work in Silver Spring at a retail outlet to earn some extra money. So where do you file? And then what if Maryland tells you, no, you need to file in the district? What do you do? And yeah, you know, I think we all know that when we're under stress, I'll just speak for myself, when I'm tired and stressed and anxious, that's when I don't make good decisions. 
right? So we have a lot of people in our city right now who are under incredible strain uh, and having to make really important decisions and they just feel so depleted and tired. Um, and we need to make it easier for them. That's what I wanna drive home today is we need to make accessing unemployment or accessing emergency rental assistance or um, making sure that you know what uh, food assistance is available as easy as possible. We need to write it uh, in a way that everyone can understand what we're talking about. And that I think the feedback that I have gotten from our claimants through hearings and, and just simply myself, a lot of people know I'm a former reporter. I put a lot of value on very clear concise, easy to understand writing is that we fail doing that. And that's where we need to really improve because uh, we need to make sure that our residents know that it's that they should be coming to us. If, if you don't know how to pay your rent, talk to us about emergency rental assistance. Talk to your landlord about a payment plan. We need to make sure that our residents are accessing all of the public benefits they can to get through this incredibly difficult time. I mean, I remember one particularly sort of Orwellian aspect of, of the struggle with applying for unemployment is you get asked these like iconic five or six questions. Are you seeking work? Have you worked to find, and in the early days there was unclear or even contradictory advice about, well, no, I'm not looking because there's a pandemic. So I'm going to check no. And if you check the wrong box on one of these questions, you sent yourselves into a multi-month hellhole that you couldn't get out. I mean, it was really, I can't imagine your entire life and fiscal sustenance being caught up in the fact that you asked answered a multiple choice question wrong weeks prior because it was ambiguous because we're in a pandemic but but that's what i mean some of the people that would reach out to me and to you were, were dealing with so talk a bit about that and why that was such a they couldn't just go back and uncheck that box and get their own employment yes so what is maddening is that uh, unemployment assistance the traditional unemployment ui as it's called uh, is a federal program that is administered at the state level, which means that we have to comply with a ton of US Department of Labor regulations and you hit on one of them. So the idea behind unemployment is that we're gonna give you some economic stability uh, as you look for work. And so we ask unemployment uh, claimants to fill out what's called a weekly certification form. So during uh, the before times, uh, before COVID, um, that made a little bit of sense because you we want to make sure you're seeking work and you have to say, yes, I spoke to this person and that person. But during COVID, it makes no sense. But the thing is, we still have to comply with the Department of Labor regulations. We don't set the rules here. The feds do. So there are a lot of things that can be obstacles that are obstacles to people getting money or are gonna put a hold on your claim that 
that just don't make any sense. I'll be honest about it. So the biggest things we saw, getting back to what um, I saw when I sat in the uh, call center, was that, yes, if you answered, I'm not available for work because you're like, yeah, I have kids at home. They're distance learning. I'm in the hotel industry. There's no jobs right now. So, of course, I'm not looking for work. Well, if you answer no, then there's what's put uh, an issue on your claim and it stops it dead in the water. Um, so that's one of the big things. One of the big things we're seeing right now that I am trying to problem solve with the agency on is a lot of people have hit their first cliff of benefits. So traditional unemployment lasts 26 weeks initially, uh, but it can be renewed for extensions. And that's where the confusion has started to come in. Uh, so people have hit their 26 week cliff. A lot of people don't even know that. A lot of people think UI is a year long program, right? You know, I mean, you could, sounds logical to me, but it isn't. It's 26 weeks. And then uh, with federal, uh, the federal legislation from COVID, it has now two extensions. The first one has an acronym, PEUC, Pandemic Emergency Unemployment Compensation. So and then the second one is called extended benefits. So here's another communications issue that I know you can appreciate as a good communicator. So if I'm a claimant and I'm thinking, okay, I need to go for these uh, extensions, wouldn't you think the first thing you would wanna get is extended benefits? I would, but that's not what you should um, apply for first. You should apply for this other program called PUC. And we're seeing a lot of people hit problems when they apply for this extension. Something that I've heard over and over from claimants and I'm trying to problem solve with the agency is that claimants will say, all of a sudden DOES is saying to me that I have wages in another state. I, you know, So I've collected 26 weeks of unemployment in DC. I think I'm eligible for this extension and DOES is saying to me, wait up, you got you know, wages in Maryland. Sometimes the claimants say to me, but I didn't work in Maryland last year. I didn't work in Virginia last year. What's going on? I'm not sure what's going on, Josh. I'll tell you, this is one of the most maddening and infuriating things for me right now. Um, so that's something we're seeing a lot. Uh, another big issue that's come up is a lot of times employers are trying to do the right thing. And they, when they're laying off employees because either they have to shut down or business has been uh, depressed, um, they'll give a little bit of money to their uh, employees as a thank you, which is considered severance. That also ends up putting a big hold on your claim uh, because it's got to be calculated into your benefit. Um, and I, I just want to say to all the workers out there, I, it is frustrating. It is frustrating. We need to modernize this system to make it a lot easier to use. And as you know, Josh, um, we, have, we have money in the budget. My committee's been pushing on modernization for a bunch of years. And I guess the silver lining, if there is one out of COVID, is I think it's driven home how important our unemployment insurance system is and how it's and how important it is to have a modern system, you know, because I tell a lot of people, you know, for the last few years, I've been saying we need to modernize our system. We need to modernize our system. But no one there were, you know, we have 
30 to 40,000 people who use unemployment every year, but um, it hasn't hit home the way it has now. So I'm hoping we can use this really challenging moment uh, to bring that urgency to getting our system modernized. One, you know, one of the things I'd like to see is if you're a claimant and you go into your little claimant portal, portal, you can see exactly the status of your claim. You know, you can see that yes, my certification form was filled out. There it is in a scan sheet. Or if you have a, uh, an, the agency has identified severance as an issue, that they tell you that. Because the black hole that you talk about, Josh, is true. It's like people don't know what's going on. So, you know, all they know is they're not getting a check. But they don't know anything else. And in this day and age of technology, that should be, that's unacceptable. We need to make sure that it's a user-friendly system, customer service-oriented system that people can understand what's going on. They deserve it. And I mean, here, here, it's unfair on one hand to expect people to reinvent their entire way of working and their systems to deal with COVID. On the flip side, we all have. I mean, the council is holding hearings and legislative meetings online. We're conducting this interview from our homes. The Board of Elections, bless their hearts, pulled off an election in November, unlike in June, where they implemented a ton of new things. They purchased giant car-sized drop boxes and implemented super centers and mailed a ballot to everyone in the, in the, in the district. What, and I get that it's a giant mainframe computer from the 1970s. Why, why can't DOES pivot the way the rest of us have? And they have, because they've implemented brand new programs that didn't exist. They're helping gig workers, they're helping 1099 workers. So I want to be fair to them. But at the end of the day, they're not, they didn't pull off the pivot and we're still struggling. Why do you think that is? So I, I think that's uh, certainly an understandable point of view. I, I, I think unemployment is a bit of a unique program, as I said, in that we have to do things in compliance with the federal government that a lot of the things like the weekly certification make no sense. Um, moving data from an archaic, outdated mainframe system, as you say, to a new system requires political capital. And here's what I will say is that a lot of the people who've relied on unemployment in our city don't have a lot of political juice, right? They don't have a lot of political capital. They can't call up the mayor or council members and say, hey, do you realize that this system is completely outdated? Um, because a lot of the folks who've used unemployment in our system have been, um, you know, on the lower end of the income scale. They haven't had a lot of political influence. And I think we see that with our other social service programs that largely help um, people with lesser means. They're not prioritized. And that's my main point here. I guess that will be controversial today is that what happened in the political moment I see is that all of a sudden we had people who are more persistent on email and might have uh, higher economic means and lawyers uh, who needed to rely all of a sudden on our unemployment system. And they were shocked. They were shocked that we're relying on a code from the 1970s. And they found that unacceptable. And they told us that. And I think that we got to take advantage of that moment 
because a lot of the folks who do rely on our unemployment system more regularly, they are struggling to get by every day and they don't realize they can call and complain as much. Um, so I do think that it, 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 it does show that you know who uses government services also influences um, the efficiency and amount of resources put into them. So it has been a struggle to get people's attention at the Wilson Building about unemployment. And I hope it won't anymore because we do need to have that system modernized. And, you know, I, I am do a lot of oversight over DOES and I ask a lot of hard questions. Um, but I will say to be fair to the agency that every state has struggled. Uh, those who have relatives in Maryland and Virginia know there's been equally long wait times. They've had struggles on the phone. Maryland just put online its new system, Beacon, which I believe has had some fits and starts. Um, but, you know, I would say, Josh, it speaks to the fact that we need to make sure that we're putting the same energy and resources into programs that help those who uh, are the more vulnerable uh, than those who are doing quite well in our city. And That's my grandstanding soapbox today. Well, I mean, I, I understand that all government programs are fall in this category of there, but for the grace of God, go I. But I feel like unemployment insurance is particularly in that case, um, because it doesn't take a lot to kick you into needing unemployment. I mean, I've gotten unemployment insurance. I don't know if you have. I don't know how many council members have uh, in their careers, but that's it's a tangible one. It's the best way to keep people stable. I mean, it is an, it, it is the best way to keep families afloat and stable. And the other thing that I always emphasize is that it helps us as a city. And I will give the example of the extra $600 that was included in the CARES Act that uh, our claimants were getting until July. So our, the, our landlords were very appreciative of that $600 because I will tell you, Josh, that when that $600 went away at the end of July, people couldn't pay their rent anymore. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying, I, I, but to give the agency, um, I guess, a, a fairness to the agency, they had to deal with uh, a system that was outdated, that there wasn't a ton of political capital put into modernizing it and prioritizing it. Um, they have to deal with a lot of arcane federal rules with unemployment. Um, and I have to say, I don't think they prioritized uh, having a modernized call center so that when we needed to, um, the, when volume increased and needed to scale up, it was hard to do that. Um, so I think there are, uh, Here's what I would say, Josh, is there are a lot of lessons learned from COVID, uh, especially in this area. And the lesson learned is that we need to have modern systems. We need to have modern call centers. We need to have well-trained staff. That's another thing that I think uh, has been a frustration of claimants is they'll get one story from somebody and then a different story when next time they call. And we need to communicate with our residents in a way that they can understand. Not everyone is in, in, enmeshed in bureaucraties and you know rules, council rules. We need to make information accessible to our residents so they can take advantage of 
the services available. And, and, you know, that's particularly important to me, Josh. I will say that, as you know, I put a lot of time into writing things that are short because I don't have a long, I, I don't have a lot of attention right now. So you need to communicate it concisely and quickly and in an easy to understand format. And I, I, I think that there's a, a big improvement. Let me put it in a positive framing. There's a lot of places in our government where we can improve how to communicate information to our residents. Um, one one uh, detail, and because this has been a series of reforms that goes back to March, and legislative uh, uh, Congress has approved new programs. We've had to put in uh, the regulations necessary to implement them. The one that got me was the, and you'll have to fix the details in my description. There was an extension of I think seven weeks, and or eight weeks, and. The reason it hadn't kicked in yet was because in our legislation, we didn't define a period of high unemployment. And this these additional weeks only kicked in in such a period. So all we had to do was amend our law to say, this is what a period of high unemployment is. And then that allowed money to flow. I might, I might be misstating this, but um, it's- So you're talking about this- the- Extended benefits program. Um, yes, and what, what happened here is that um, there are two parts. So as I explained, there's 26 weeks, and then we've added 13 with the coronavirus bill, the CARES Act. And then there's always been a program called extended benefits, which uh, if you if your state or state, in my opinion, hits a certain level of unemployment, uh, uh, a certain unemployment rate, you can get those extra weeks. And there's two parts of it. There's one 13 week apart and then there's one seven week part. And what happened is that we had um, implemented temporarily this seven week part back in the recession in 2010, but we didn't make it permanent. So when we came around to uh, COVID and I saw that other states this extra seven weeks, I was like, why don't we? And we realized it's because we never moved permanent legislation um, to enable it. Uh, so what we did was we moved a temporary because we were we moved an emergency because I realized um, this program not only helps traditional unemployment claimants, but we haven't talked a lot about the non-traditional unemployment claimants, these are the contractors, gig workers, um, 1099s who never got unemployment assistance before COVID, but now do, they're PUA uh, claimants, pandemic unemployment assistance. They would get that extra seven weeks too. And there was a real sense of urgency on my part because a lot of people who are PUA claimants are hitting their 39 week cliff. They've either already hit it or they're hitting it now. So those extra seven weeks are critical because what we're all praying for, or I'll tell you what I'm praying for, is that we're going to get a big stimulus package when the Biden administration comes in. Hopefully we're going to get two Senate seats in Georgia, and then the Biden administration is going to come in and we're going to get a big stimulus package that's going to help uh, cities and states like us 
um, be able to pump more money in and I hope extend unemployment benefits and perhaps revive that $600 uh, supplement as well. And, you know, I'm just trying to find every single way, Josh, to put money in the pockets of our workers right now. So it's bureaucratic. Yes. Um, you know, should we have done probably a permanent back in 2010? I would argue yes, but, you know, we, we didn't. So we need to do it now. And we did. So yeah. we passed the permanent, uh, I think on, for, uh, I think on first reading, uh, the mayor signed the emergency and temporary, and I think we need to go through a few more processes before the permanent's enrolled as well. And this just shows the, the rewards uh, attention to detail and quality oversight. That something like that had been uh, in arrears since 2010, and it's only when someone is really paying attention, dotting the I's, uh, crossing the T's, that it gets done and put through, and it is life and death again for people. It's weeks of uh, benefits that are able to flow uh, based on something that seems like a textual. Well, let me wedge in a compliment to my labor committee staff, my hardworking, I am gonna um, put in some some kudos and thank yous, Josh. Um, My labor committee staff is so dedicated. Liz Weiss, my committee director, I think you know Josh and Margaret O'Hora, who is my lead staffer on UI. And then, you know, I have my constituent services uh, end of my staff also working hard with claimants, and that's Pat Joseph and Charnisa Royster. They, they've just been powerhouses. And I got to tell you, Josh, I mean, uh, Pat and Charnisa and I especially talk all the time about how we have consumed this um, time differently because we are dealing directly with people who are really suffering. I mean, I know all the members are, um, and I certainly know the mayor is, but it's hard. You know, I mean, cause I'll admit it's like, you know, we still get a salary and maybe, you know, who knows what's ahead for us in terms of the budget, but you know, uh, our life is certainly extremely different, but I don't have to face the fact that my bank account is just depleted and gone and that I don't know how to pay my rent. I mean, I, it, you know, that makes this uh, pandemic so much worse. Um, and we talk to those folks every day. And I have to say, it does give me gratitude. It does make me grateful um, for, you know, the job I have and the home I have um, because, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that we can help folks. Um, you know, I, I, will, I was just telling a friend right before the show that, there's only so much I can do though. And that's what really breaks my heart. Every time someone writes to me and says, I don't know how to pay my rent council member. Uh, I can't put food on the table. You know, I can refer them and I can write to the agency and say, we really need to resolve this. But, you know, I wish I could go in, which is what I, and I couldn't even do that when I was at the call center, I could refer the case to a supervisor, but I wish I could just change, change their file and get them their money. Um, It's so frustrating. Uh, but, um, I just want, I just want everyone to know that, that I do have an incredibly dedicated and hardworking staff, uh, and communications team that's written a lot of materials that I want to thank you, Josh, for helping to promote, um, because I do feel like we have not, uh, helped our residents understand enough what's available to them and how to use these programs. And we've tried to put together materials that you've distributed. Uh, again, thank you um, to help it to help make it easier to understand. And also, I just want to tell everyone, 
please reach out, get assistance. You know, this is what your taxpayer's dollars should go for to helping you stay stable at this time. Okay, I'm gonna ask you uh, one final question. And while you answer it, you'll see me being distracted because I'm gonna look over to Facebook and see if there's any questions that came in that oh, we haven't cool. already addressed. But the question I'm gonna ask you while, prior to doing that is what do you recommend to people that are currently having trouble getting UI, who answered a question wrong, who have out-of-state income, people who are in limbo, what do you recommend that they do a vis-a-vis DOES, you know, they can't all come to you, but should they come to you? Uh, what are your recommendations for people that are struggling on this particular program? Well, A, don't give up. Um, I am very worried, Josh, that there are a lot of people and, and some people have told me that they've had such troubles that they just give up. Don't, please don't. Um, number two, you know, if, if you're getting nowhere, contact the agency send me an email. We'll, we'll test out, Josh, how many people are watching this on Facebook Live, but you can send me an email at esilverman at dccouncil.us. I owe Sharnisa and Pat on my staff big Christmas presents this year. Uh, and I will warn everybody that we have gotten overwhelmed. I don't know about you, Josh, but I feel like when we pivoted to the virtual environment, email um, has has exponentially increased. And I will admit to everyone that I am still figuring out how to manage uh, that change, that increase in email. Uh, I'm gonna try to catch up this weekend, but email us and we do uh, work with the agency to casework your claim. I would also say just um, make sure you, any information the agency sent to you is a clue for us. It's like, it's like clue. Um, do you know you have a code 55? If you have a code 55, that means the DOES thinks you have wages in another state. Um, if it's a code one or two, that means you filled out your certification form wrong. So give us every piece of info. Have you ever received, you know, a lot of people write me and I'm unclear. Well, have you gotten 26 weeks of benefits? A lot of people just don't know they need to apply for the extension. So if you tell me, yeah, I got 26 weeks and it stopped all of a sudden, mm, then you need to apply for the extension. So give us give us every piece of information you can. But you know what, Josh? I have, I have something um, too that I want to ask and get some advice on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, nervous, but sure. So as everyone knows, I generally have shorter hair. And during COVID, there was a time when, when um, you know, during phase one, when our salons and barbershops were not open. And so I grew my hair longer, as you can see, you know, long for me. And, and now I'm thinking about cutting it um, because um, my salon has very uh, good practices, COVID practices, and, and everyone tells me, no, don't do it. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to do some crowdsourcing and see what everyone thinks. Well, we'll just have to, I guess, check the- you Maybe know, you can let me know later. Yeah. I'm not, not going to do anything raft right now. And uh, sure the podcast airs. The life cycle of these interviews, by the way, is they go up on Facebook Live where people can watch them whenever they want. The okay. podcast goes out the following week over the radio and via oh. the apps. And then we also post the video of the interview on the council's YouTube page. So 
we have multiple audiences who can now who can share. I see. All right. Um, well, I'll still, I'll take, I'll, you know, I'm still interested in soliciting uh, advice. Yes. Yes. Well, I, um, let me quickly, uh, we have one vote for looks great either way. Um, but I do have one question uh, from Facebook Live that I wanted to share with you quickly and just get a quick answer because I, I think we're over time. Okay. Uh, the person wrote in and said, uh, I'm an event photographer, videographer. I'm officially broke. Um, I hear lots of things uh, in terms of other services. I'm struggling as a fairly new business getting off the ground. Uh, I've taken advantage of the unemployment, but that's fizzled out really. Um, uh, the person has a medical condition as well. Um, this is the heartbreaking part. I've adjusted our services to live stream funerals using Zoom to give families as close to the same experience as possible. But savings is drying up. What do you suggest to a sole proprietorship uh, person such as him? So that I would, would think would fall under the same 1099 uh, gig economy. Yeah, uh, I mean, let, I would, first of all, I'd like to have the person um, write to me. Um, so if you're watching, why don't you let me know? Because you should um, be able to access that ex extra seven weeks of, of PUA. So first, I want to make sure that you applied for PUA, um, that you're getting the extension, uh, I'd be interested to know if you got a, a triple P loan, a paycheck protection loan. So sole proprietors were uh, at the time, I think to do that is over, um, but I'd be interested if you got that. Uh, and then of course, we wanna talk to you about um, accessing sort of all the other uh, supports that we have in district government, including rental assistance and so forth. Uh, in terms of other uh, assistance for businesses, we can pursue that too. Um, so, you know, please get in touch. I mean, this is exactly the type of email, Josh, that we are, we're getting multiple times a day. Um, and it's just, you know, but, but uh, please, please send me an email and, and we'll talk. Okay. So, uh, Tom, if you could um, basically go to dccouncil.us, uh, click on council, uh, click on either the council members committee, the labor committee, or on the council members uh, personal office, and there you'll find staff uh, contact info, or you can just reach out to her via social media, uh, as she did to us. Uh, well, unfortunately, we are, I would say, out of time. I think we're over time, but it was just a lot oh, wow. to talk about that was super important. Um, the full interviews uh, go out on video and podcast. We have to abbreviate the radio interview, limited radio time. But um, th thank you again so much, council member, for being generous with your time, uh, for really giving 110, 120% uh, to this effort, um, to putting uh, meaning into the word oversight. Uh, it really, I think, has been a uh, powerful uh, tribute. So, um, thank you. Josh, I appreciate um, that. Not, not a problem. It's just the truth. Um, so, uh, listeners, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, please uh, check out all of our interviews. They're available by podcast. They're available on our YouTube page. Uh, and um, basically, I'm Josh Gibson, and this is not a council hearing. This is here in council. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, thanks. Josh. <laughs>